0: Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the Senior Pastor and Presiding Bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. When, when Pastor Joyce was asking me for my sister's name, I was telling her now because, you know, I come from a Hispanic family and uh, we're very, you know, creative when it comes about putting names. So my mom wanted me to be David and my dad wanted me to be Juan. So they ended up saying, all right, Juan David, you know, that's how we're going to call you. So one for you, one for me. So we're good. We're even. But then when my sister, you know, comes in the picture, My mom says, okay, I want her to be Esther. But then my dad says, I want her to also be Juan. (laughs) She's like, how are we going to make this happen? (laughs) So my dad said, all right, just put it backwards. So my sister, first name, it's a composition between my mom's name and my dad's name. (laughs) So it's my name backwards. It's Juan backwards, now. And then it's connected to Elizabeth. So her name is now Helis. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, <laughs> it's not the best thing to go. <laughs> so when Pastor Joe asked me what's her name. I said, now. Nah, and she was like, now nah or now? <laughs> so I wanted to share that because that's part of our families, you know? And um, it's very good. So I'm going to be speaking today about one hero. You know, one person that it really is important in our lives to to get to know him, you know, and it's Gideon. So I'm going to be speaking about him today a little bit. And um, I just want to do a a real quick analogy to start, you know. So in the early morning of March 6th in 1836, 2,400 soldiers, Mexican soldiers were located, you know, prepared to assault and one small Spanish group of people defending the Alamo. And this mission was very interesting because it was 2,400 against only 200 people. Yet, you know, what the defenders lacked in numbers, they actually had it in bravery. They were ready to die if it was necessary to protect the land of the people they loved. But their commander one day, his name was William Travis, stood up in front of them, and he said this to them. He said, we must die. Our business is not to make a fruitless effort to save our lives, but actually, but to choose the manner of our death. And then he said, according to the story, he drew a line, and then he asked some of them, you know, whoever crossed the line, you know, If you're willing to stay, you can cross and stay with me. But if you want to go home, you can stay where you are. And that's very interesting because all of them did it, but one. (laughs) So from 200, maybe 199, decided to stay. And one of them went back home. But despite the odds against them, the defenders made it through everything. It was in total three waves, or three assaults. The first two, they actually made it. They actually got to injure a lot of people that actually made, a, 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 you know, got to damage, make some damage in, 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 in the Mexican army. But then the third one, they didn't make. The third one came so strong, they came through the walls of the Alamo, and they killed everybody that was there. But this story is actually something that this nation, some of us actually know about, because it's a It's something that shows the the brave aspects, you know, of fighting even against all the odds that you you can face. But it's also one truth that I want to take from here. The army with vastly greater numbers and superior weaponry will almost always win. But Gideon, the same reality in mind, pretty much. Gideon, you know, as he was getting ready to face the Midianites warriors, you know, he have to face the following facts. And I want you to, I want to put you in context. So the Israelite army was, was actually 32,000 soldiers. So tell the person next to you, 32,000. <laughs> when the Meganites number was 135,000. 35,000 against 135,000 soldiers. The Israelites were on food, food, And the Midianites rode in camels. There was the tanks back there. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a situation that was actually, it was bound to strike fear into the heart of the bravest warrior ever. Yet surprisingly, God had a plan that will make the situation appear even more Hopeless for Gideon. And that's what we're going to connect with the verse today. It's in Judge 7, chapter 1 through 8. So God instructed this to Gideon. Early in the morning, Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of Dan in the valley near the hill of Maret. But the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. (laughs) I'm laughing right away because when I, I'm reading this, like, and listening to God saying, You have too many, you know, from 35,000 against 135,000. And God is telling Gideon, You have too many. I cannot deliver Midian into, your, into their hands, or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. But now announce to the army anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave this place. You know, so 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. And then God said to Gideon again, there are still too many. (laughs) Take them down to the water, and I will think them out for you there. If I said this one should go with you, he should go. But if I said this one, you know, should not go with you, he should not go. So Gideon took the man down to the water, the Lord told him, Separate those who lap the water with their tongues, and as a dog laps from, you know, those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from, you know, putting hands like, their hands like this, and they're lapping like dogs, right? And the rest got down on their knees to drink. So the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men, the lap, I will save you. And give you the Midianites. 300 men. From how much? 35,000. It was too many. That's what God says. Right? Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. This is, this is really interesting, correct? It's a very, wow, um, very heavy atmosphere for this man. But God's instructions must have, you know, sound absurd to Gideon. The Israelites were already heavily up, outnumbered. They were a lot. Yet God told him to send 98% of his army home, leaving him with only 300 men. They, that gave the Midianites a 450, you know, to one numerical advantage. That's insane. Almost, four, four, almost I mean 40 times better than the overwhelming Mexican army in the beginning. Yet God was clear that the victory will come by his power and not by the military strength of his people. So this is not, if we get here, I want to tell you something. Definitely, if I'm Gideon, I'm going to begin to think, okay, so you don't want me to win at all. (laughs) You're taking away my people. Gideon is a warrior. His strength is that he was known as being be somebody very strong, you know, and brave. So in my strength, if I see God telling me, you have too many people, I'm going to begin to probably think, all right, so. How am I going to win this battle? So what I want to tell you, this is not a matter of winning anymore. It's a matter of trust. You can see this like, you know, God is taking away the possibility of winning to Gideon instead of equipping him <laughs> with more reinforcements, you know, or perhaps doubling his strength. But no, it is a matter of trust. Let me tell you something. And you can write this down. It's possible to win and not get God. But it's it's, it's impossible to get God and never win. Trusting God is a journey and it's very messy. It is messy. Seems to be very difficult. Why? Because God doesn't think the same way you think. He doesn't think the same way I do. And we have the tendency to ask God to do things the way I want him to do it. That's why it's messy. For example, God commands in the Bible to love our enemies. Who likes to love their enemies? Forgive those who are offending you. To whom forgiving is the first thing that pops in your head when somebody is doing something to you. Giving without expecting anything back. Well, that's easy for a lot of us. <laughs> but that's also in the Bible. And it's still, we have a hard time giving. So trust means the act of striping ourselves in, in our own way to begin to accept God's way. That's what trust is. So this is a matter of trust. This is a process where the impossible was knocking the door of this man. And now he's, he has this opportunity to actually... Understand that it's trust, but it's actually the matter in this place. So Romans 12.2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's a matter of trust because God wants to transform your mind. He's not only thinking about giving you the victory. He's actually thinking to put his mind in your mind. So you need to trust that because it's messy. That process is messy. I want my way. I want my way to do things. I trust my strength. But then he says this, then you will be able to test. In other words, to taste and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But there is a renewal of mind that comes first. How you renew your mind if you don't face the impossible. How you renew your mind and you don't face what is different of the way you think about things. Right? So can you think of times when you had to do something that seemed impossibly difficult to you? How do you respond? What strengths and abilities, maybe your athletic talent, maybe your intelligence, maybe your capacity to win, what strengths and abilities do you tend to rely on In difficult times. Remember that God was clear. That victory will come by his power. And not by your own strength. But it takes me to the second point. That I want to share with you today. So the first one was a matter of trust. The second one. He's a good God who calms my fears. At this point in the story. Gideon did everything God asked him to do. And God had already promised Gideon certain victory over the Midianites, correct? He he said it. You know, when 300, he said, when he got to the 300 men, he said, okay, now I'm going to promise you, I'm going to give you this. But he said, I'm going to give you. And that's very interesting. He's not saying right away, like... I'm giving you everything. I'm gonna give you. Like there's still wait. There's still a journey to travel with me. I'm not done, my baby. There's still a little bit. So we, you know, we have the promise. And after all, who wouldn't be scared of going to war against such a crazy, big, superior army? So before he could feel confident, Gideon needed an affirmation from God. And that is why God is so beautiful. Because he takes us to go through his way. He knows it's going to be messy. He knows we're going to shake. He knows we're, gonna, we're not going to understand sometimes. But he's also a good father that he looks to calm my fears. Amen. Right. So he's going to do something in my life that is going to bring the affirmation that his promise is going to be fulfilled. But you have to be in the journey. You have to be walking already in that journey of obedience before God did what we're about to see. Gideon did already a few things in obedience. And that's a very beautiful part because I, I said once that obedience is the way that God received love. That's the love language of God. Obedience. Obedience. Actions of obedience. So God's promised to him this. But God could have simple just told Gideon to man up. That's it, right? And stop worrying instead. Like, come on, bro. You worry, okay. What you know, why are you doubting? <laughs> he chose to actually provide him with one final supernatural sign to calm Gideon's super brave warrior. <laughs> And now we can go to Judge, uh, chapter 7, verse 9 to 15. And it says that during the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, and that's very interesting, God's telling, if you're afraid to attack, which is probably what he was feeling, go down to the camp with your servant, And listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and his servant, Pura, you know, went down to the camp. And the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley, you know. They have tons, a lot of camels and all that, you know. so I want to ask you this. Why do you think that what's going to happen now, you know, it's going to calm Gideon's now when the previous signs that God did didn't help him to be calm. So he goes down and he sees these two men talking to each other. And one man is telling the other guy a dream that he had. And the other guy is interpreting the dream to this guy. And basically, in other words, he's saying, hey, God has given, you know, is given the victory to Gideon. is given the Midianites to him. And Gideon is listening to this, you know? So I want you to think about this. I want to present this in a different way that's going to help you to understand this a lot more. I want us to think about this as a picture, as a movie. All right? So we have Gideon. He's brave, correct? He's facing 135,000 soldiers with only 300 soldiers. Logically, I have everything. To lose this. Correct? And not just that. God is asking him to go down the hill to the camp. And now when the movie starts now. Because they go like this, right? And the servant goes behind him. And they go and down the hill. They don't see anything. But then they begin to see the fire. And Gideon began to see people. Began to see soldiers. Began to see weapons begin to see crazy stuff begin to see aircraft begin to see so many other things but he's coming already thinking i'm the leader of my army just picture him going down the hill all the thoughts that are coming to his head now you see all these people what is god making me go through this and see everything what is God is making me go this down and see how many people I'm going to, what's going on? Maybe I'm going to send my, 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 my army to die. This is crazy. This is insane. Look, this guy, he's just sick feet and, and, and I don't know, ripped and all that. And wow, so he's, he's going down the hill and his servant is behind him. So imagine all the doubts. Imagine all the thoughts that this guy was going through just going down the hill all the responsibility that was upon him as the leader that was going to send all these people to fight i will doubt i will be bro i'm out i will be bro that's it man you know i train you all these days you're gonna make it you're good to go my brother Oh, I will sail to them. You know what? You know, we out, guys. We go home. Let's just go home. And, you know, we have have a lot more years to live, you know, and to enjoy. But after a short trip, they arrive in time to hear two people talking. And one tells the other a dream. And the other interprets this dream, saying that God has given Gideon the Midianites. And Gideon went to his knees before God in prayer. What happened? Why are we missing? We can see Gideon going to his knees, but why? Why do you think he's doing that? It is notorious that Gideon had no problem obeying God. Until this point, he was obedient. But listening to others talk about the power of the God you serve and perhaps recognizing that, he, that with his power everything is possible was something that impacted him and brought him to his knees and repent. Making in obedience the only decision missing until this point. The decision to stop relying on his own strength. And to start relying on God's strength that was recognized by the people that he was going to fight against. So just picture this. You're there listening to this. And you're doubting that you're going to win this battle. That God is telling you that 300 people is enough for you. And then you're listening to other people talking about God's power, the God you serve. And then you realize, oh, my God. God. They are, their fear is coming from understanding the power of my God. It's not me. They know I can't do it alone. They're, they're putting you in the picture and they're saying that God is giving him the victory. I need to go to my knees because I, I, I'm obeying God. Yes, I'm obeying God, but I'm still relying on my own strength. In my own capacity, that's why we feel responsible of things. That's why we want justice. When we take something that is not our job. When we have to rely on God's strength. I learned that the bad way, the hard way, to put it that way. The Bible says to, to, to stay with the good stuff and get rid of the bad things. But you know why it's like that? Because our tendency is that we rely on our strength. So if I take the bad things, I feel I have to do something about it. I feel I have to do justice about it. But when we stay with the good things that God wants to pay attention, we begin to rely on God to take care of the other stuff. So He's there, He's going to His needs. It's notorious that. So the further you go with God, the less you can take with you. The further you go with God, the less you can take with you. The more you have to rely on His own strength. The more you have to rely on God's power. So the reality is in front of us will not change. The reality in front of us will not change automatically. We might have to go down the hill sometimes and look at everything in front of you again. Maybe you are also going down the hill with somebody who's following you a mentee, a disciple family member, your son, or maybe just a friend. And you need to let them see your reality. You need to let them see your brokenness. That brokenness might appear beautiful, but our brokenness has no other beauty but the beauty that comes from the compassion that surrounds it. So he's going down the hill with his servant. His servant is actually observing and witnessing everything that's happening with this man. And when you are the, the person who follows, you must understand that you are not following Christ in person. That the leader is a human being just like you and like Gideon. Yes. But they're obeying God, you know, but they're still in the journey just like you are. So we lack sometimes of mercy when we follow our leaders because we think they can't make mistakes. We think they can doubt. We think they can have a moment. They're, they're not God. They're not perfect. So we, have to, we need mercy to love and to be able to receive from people that we don't see probably is fulfilling my expectations. But if you see a leader going down to his knees like Gideon and his servant right there. Seeing this guy repenting and understanding I need to rely on God's power. It's the most beautiful thing you can experience. So our perspective of reality begins to change when we decide to trust God. God uses signs to calm our fears and set our, you know, sights on him. So the change starts from the inside out. The outside might not change but my perspective starts changing because the change comes from the inside out. So let's make it real, and I'm going to close with this. Through high school and college, I often trust in my natural abilities as a musician and public speaker to give me success and significance. In the moment of fear that always accompanied a public performance, I was tempted to rely on my talents rather than on God to bless my efforts. When people responded to God while I was singing or playing or speaking, I often convinced myself that they were really just responding to me. I attribute God's work to my own strength which was the exact attitude that God wanted the Israelite to avoid. So we all struggle with pride, believing that our own efforts and strengths will provide us with that success and significance. But our God wants us to trust in him alone, even in the hardest times of life, and to realize that... I lost myself that nothing of spiritual significance can happen apart from his power. So I will invite you today to acknowledge something with me. Acknowledge to God that all your strength are simply gifts from him. Ask God, you know, Ask God to help you trust in him to provide your life with significance commit to God that you would privately and publicly give him the credit for everything he accomplished through you or the ability he's given you I, I'm not going to finish this story but they got the victory Victories sometimes are trophies that stand there. And sometimes they show my strength. But a victory that it's accomplished by trusting God first. It's something that stays longer than a trophy in, in the world in your house. It's something that transforms your heart. It's something that brings you closer to the Father. It's something that helps you to rely on God on whatever is going to come now. It's something that will give you now the capacity to understand how to lead other people as well to trust God. It is messy, yes. I'm there every day. I have to go to my knees and pray to God and say, God, I want this to go this way. (laughs) But once again, show me the way you want me to go. It's not my own strength. It's in your own strength and God's strength and I trust you. And sometimes he will be, you know, maybe there's a lot of Gideons here today. (laughs) And we're experiencing God taking away Things that are feeling making us feel we're not winning the, or we're not gonna make it to the victory. You're feeling that he's taking soldiers, that he's taking, you know, assets. But it's not a matter of winning, remember that. It's a matter of trust. He will give you the victory. So my invitation today, let's love God through obedience. Let's trust that he knows what he's doing more than myself. And let's wait for those moments when he will act and he will bring peace to your your heart. And you will be able to see, God, okay, I trust in you. Will you trust God today? Will you trust God right now with your problems, with your situations? Will you come to the altar today and say, God, I want to rely on your own strength, not on my own. I want to trust that you got the victory. I want to trust that you're taking me through this time, through this season. You're equipping me. You're taking the best of me to make me the best version of myself. If you are that person today, if you're that person that wants to actually get to know God more, and you're feeling today that connection through this experience today, and you want to get to know God personally, that is also a beautiful decision you can make. We all, we all believe in love. I was telling Sean this the other day on Friday. Because I ask some, sometimes people, do you believe in God? They say, I, I don't know. I don't think so. And then you just ask, do you believe in love? And they say, yes. Can you take it? Can you grab it? No. But how you believe? Because you feel it. You might not probably grab or see or do sentences about God. But if you believe in love, you believe in God. 100%. So maybe this is the opportunity for you today to make a decision in the altar in his presence. To rely on God's strength. And he will comfort you. He will be with you. He will equip you. He will provide everything you need. So let's stand. In our feeds today we trust that you were blessed for more information regarding our church please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242 extension 0